So when you came in this morning, did you notice anything different about our worship space? The butterflies are gone and replaced with red and kites and Holy Spirit and doves all around. A special thanks to Emil here, who spent half the week at the top of a tall ladder, <laughs> hanging things and reaching, and also to Laura Hamilton, who's not in the room today, but it worked so hard. All of these special creative touches are the work of Laura, including this new banner with the phrase, you are loved in the many different languages that are represented here in our congregation. So the next time you see Laura, make sure you express gratitude for her creative work to enhance our Pentecost worship space. So I'm impressed also with the number of you who are wearing red. Give yourselves a little round of applause. I don't know about you, we had a little trouble finding red in our closet this weekend. When people grow out of things, you don't always replace it with red. Um, but let's see, anyone have something that you're particularly proud of, a red thing you're wearing that you think is pretty impressive? Those red pants have do definitely win special points for those. Thank you. Anybody else? Shirley has on a lot of red, I noticed that back there when she first walked in. Well done with that. She was. Oh, you're all wearing your mom's clothes. Special points for that. Now you have, oh, and back here we have a red fox with a red jacket. Nice touch there, Evan. Excellent. You've all done a nice job, but nobody, nobody, nobody can top this. Whoops, where is it? Here we go. Anybody know who that is? Sarah Jessica Parker, and she was not wearing this to a Pentecost worship gathering. This was to a gala at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in 2015. Does that look like Pentecost or what? If you Google Sarah Jessica Parker Pentecost hat, that comes up, or just hat, Sarah Jessica Parker hat. And one of the pages actually has a video where in slow motion she's turning around like this. So you can see this hat in all of its sides with long tassels and pom-poms and flames. And So, although you all did well, Sarah Jessica Parker wins for today. So last week, there was another special day in the church year. Does anybody remember what it's called? Don always remembers. It's Don's favorite day. So last week we heard the story, the story of Ascension is the story that precedes today's story. And the apostles were together, and Jesus had been with them for a while, and Jesus ascended. But before he ascended, he said, you will see, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus was raised up into heaven, and the disciples continued to stare up into heaven and wondered what in the world they were going to do. But the truth of Pentecost is that the church was transformed from a small group of scared followers of Jesus to a powerful movement that transcended the, the boundaries of geography and language and changed the course of history. If it weren't for Pentecost, we would not be here. 
Sometimes Pentecost is called the birthday of the church. It was the beginning of the church. Without Pentecost, there wouldn't be a church anywhere. So this is kind of a, a strange and powerful story that we're going to hear in just a moment from the uh, book of Acts, chapter 2. And some of you have reading parts. I just invite you to find those. I'm going to read those in just a moment. But before we do, just a little background. Um, Christians did not invent Pentecost. I think that's important to remember. Pentecost was a Jewish festival of long standing. So people had been celebrating Pentecost, which was always 50 days after the Passover. So the word Pentecost literally means 50th day. Today we celebrate it 50 days after Easter. But for our Jewish brothers and sisters, it was a festival 50 days after Passover. So on this particular Pentecost, people were gathered from many different places in Jerusalem. And they're filled with uncertainty and fear. Why uncertainty and fear? You want to know why uncertainty and fear? What's next, right? They've devoted their lives for the past several years to following Jesus. They went with him, they followed him, they heard his teaching. They adopted his way of living. Then they watched him be nailed to a cross. They watched him be laid in a tomb. They were witnesses to his resurrection. He appeared to them many times over several weeks. And now he's gone. And they're thinking, what is next? So uncertainty, for sure. But why fear? Just imagine yourself in that situation. Here's what they're thinking. They did that to Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. So when are they coming for us, right? So there's all this uncertainty and all this fear. So they're spending a lot of time together behind locked doors. They're thinking they're safe when they're hiding together. And they knew something happened to Jesus at the great last feast in Jerusalem, the last big festival, and now it's Pentecost. And people are coming from all over to, to this celebration. And they don't know what is going to happen. So they hide behind locked doors until the Spirit comes. So last week, before we heard the story of, of the Ascension, I shared this quote from a biblical scholar who says, if a story is mysterious, then the church needs to practice being mystified, not jump as quickly as possible to some explanation that removes all the shadows as well as the light. you remember that quote from last week? Now this is true about the Ascension story that we read last week. Like, how do you make sense of that? But it's also true about this Pentecost story. Wind, flames, languages. If we tried to figure out how this was possible, what would happen? We would tie ourselves up in knots, right? And we would remove all the shadows as well as the light from this story. So we're not going to try to figure it out. We're just going to practice being mystified as we hear this story. So I invite those of you who have the story to read it now and, and nice and loud so that we can all hear what you're saying. The story of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house. 
studied tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this, the sound, at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language. Amidst and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Southwestern Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome and and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others hear and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for the holy night of no, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declared, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your son and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my servants. Both, Both men and women. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood, Blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So did you get a chance to practice being mystified by that story? <laughs> It's a mysterious story full of power and mystery. So I just want you to imagine that you're there for a few moments. It's, it's like Times Square on New Year's Eve. Can you picture that? Sort of crowded, hustling, bustling, chaos, pandemonium. And then all at once, there's a sound like the rush of a violent wind that fills the house where they're gathered. And then flames from nowhere begin falling down from heaven and landing on them. And like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spreads throughout the ranks. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in languages they don't even know, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be there on that Pentecost day, to witness these strange things that are happening? Wind and fire and people speaking in different languages so that everyone can hear the good news of Jesus and of God's love in their native language. We have people who speak different languages here in this room, right? And that is a sign of breaking down of the barriers that began at Pentecost. 
We come together across the lines of language and tradition and culture, and we come together in the spirit. And the spirit is always with us. Spirit is everywhere. I heard this story this week that pastor, author, and professor Jack Levinson tells about a day spent in a hammock with his son and the conversation they had in their backyard. His son said, hey dad, how come Christians are so mean and people who aren't Christians can be so nice? You ever ask yourself that? And Jack Levinson said, based on all of his academic research and his study of scripture and his deep theological thinking, God has breathed spirit into each one of us. And each of us has the potential for virtue and grace. Some Christians don't pay much attention to it and don't nurture it. And some people who aren't Christians do. In the end, it's not about calling yourself a Christian. It's about letting God's spirit work in and through you. I think this is one of the important messages of Pentecost, because at Pentecost, what we see happening is that God is tearing down barriers that separate one from another. The real miracle in this story is not people being able to speak in other languages. The real miracle is that people are able to hear and understand one another. Because we put up so many barriers that keep us from listening to each other, and keep us from understanding each other. At Pentecost, that barrier came tumbling down. God's Spirit breathes life into each one of us, regardless of who we are. So here's a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I wonder if somebody would be willing to just read this passage aloud. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. But they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. There are several words that come up again and again in this passage, and they are each person, everyone, everywhere. And I don't see any asterisk beside those words to indicate which everyone God is talking about. The truth is God's Spirit is given out freely to everyone. We read in creation that God breathes God's spirit of life into each one of us, regardless of who we are. At Pentecost, what we see happening is that the barriers come down, and the miracle is 
Not that people are speaking in other languages, but that the people are able to hear and understand one another. The Spirit is active in everyone, everywhere. And at Pentecost, that one day in that one place, the Spirit did something. The Spirit in and amongst the people changed something. Something shifted. All of them, the women and the men, started speaking in a number of different languages. The barriers between them fell down, and the beauty of connection grew up. We have a beauty of connection here at Hope Gateway, don't we? Just this week, I had um, the opportunity to be with some people who go to different churches in Portland, and they were mourning the fact that there are very few places in their lives where they get to connect with people that are older or younger than them. And they said about their churches, one said, well, you know, we really have, like, all young people, like people in their 20s and their 30s. And the other woman said, well, everybody at my church is old. Like, I'm the youngest, and I'm 55. And I stood there thinking, I don't want to brag or anything. <laughs> but I'm really proud that I get to be a part of a community that is truly intergenerational. And what a gift that is. Because it's a rarity. People in our society associate with people who are like them. People who are their age, people who speak their language, people who look like them, people who talk like them, people who dress like them. That's what we do. But church should be a place where we come to be in relationship with people who are different than us in all kinds of ways. And that's a gift. As human beings, we're so good at putting barriers up between ourselves and others. Age is one of those barriers. We don't put the barrier up, but we allow it to stand between, between us. What are some other barriers that we create or enforce as human beings? Status. What kind of status? Right, so socioeconomic status, social status. Okay, what else? Race. Education levels, yeah. Income. Language. Language. Politics, religion, sexual orientation, gender identity. Country of origin. And so many others. We're so good at putting up boundaries and securing them and drawing the lines wider and then doing everything we can to make sure the boundaries are fixed. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Fear. Fear. Somebody say fear? Yes. Fear. We're afraid of those who seem to be different than we are. And so if we can just keep separate from them, then we're safe, right? Or maybe it's power or control. If I get to define where the boundary is, where the barrier is, then I am in control of the situation. We're so good at putting up barriers. But at Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit nudges us and pushes us and inspires us to cross boundaries, to reject boundaries, and to let God dissolve the boundaries that separate us from one another. This week I came across this great quote from um, Hugh Hollowell, who's a pastor and executive director of an organization called Love Wins Ministries in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is what he says. Every time we use religion to draw a line to keep people out, Jesus is with the people on the other side of the line. I love that. Every time we put up a, uh, every time we use religion, and you could insert something else there too, to draw a line to keep people out, Jesus is with the people on the other side of the line. And I think this author would be fine with my also saying that the Holy Spirit is also with the people on the other side of the line. So in your seat, or maybe on the floor around your feet, you have a piece of red paper that looks like this. And I want to just invite you to reflect on this question. Where do you see the Holy Spirit at work? There are some pens and cups under the seats as well. You can pass those around. I just invite you to jot down a few words or phrase to answer that question. Where do you see the Holy Spirit at work? And then as you come forward to receive communion, we invite you to add your paper to this beautiful prayer station over here that Laura has created, um, either stapling them to the ribbon or taping them directly to the mirrors. Where do you see the Holy Spirit at work? to have short conversations with each other about important or maybe unimportant things, right? But one way that I think we can invite the Holy Spirit to be at work in us even more is to deepen our relationships with one another. So I'd like to invite you, I'd like to challenge you, to reach out to somebody that you started a conversation with today, or last week, or last month, to continue that conversation, not on the Sunday morning. Maybe you send them a message on Facebook. Maybe you send them an email. Maybe you decide to invite them to get together for coffee, or tea, or whatever else you drink. But to find a way to connect with one another. Because the Holy Spirit wants to invite us to do more, and to be more, and to grow more, and become more like Jesus. And we help each other do that when we are in relationship with one another. So maybe this is a one-time conversation, or maybe it becomes a relationship where you say, can I just check in with you and see how you're doing every week? Maybe that's as simple as sending a text. Maybe it's as simple as getting together on a regular basis. But the Holy Spirit invites
tear down barriers. And we are all really good at keeping our barriers up, aren't we? Because I don't really want you to know who I am, because if you really know who I am, you might not like me. But you know what's even more? I really want somebody to know me. I really want somebody to know who I am. So it's worth the risk. It's worth bringing down that barrier and getting over my fear and being in relationship with one another. We have a gift, and it's a gift that we don't use enough. The gift of being in a community with one another. There are gifts everywhere because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And as we read in 1 Corinthians, each person, is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit. And to all kinds of people, including you, including me, the variety is wonderful. So connect to the variety so that everyone benefits. May we live like Pentecost every day because the Spirit is with us.
people on this Pentecost Sunday we gather our prayers around this space as we come to the table. And today we're actually going to be gathering our prayers as a way to bless the elements uh, together. So first let me ask, um, what people do you want to lift up to prayer today? Who's on your hearts that you're bringing with you into this space? Marjorie and Maggie. Matthew. For Matthew. Marjorie and Matthew. Who else do you want prayers for today? Eric. Eric and Amy. Chris McCarthy. Chris. Roxy. For Roxy. Mm -hmm. For Beth. For Beth. For Dominic. For who? Dominic. For Dominic. For Will and Julie. For Will, for Julie. For Phyllis. For Phyllis. For who? Places and situations in our community, our nation, and our world do you want to lift up and ask for an extra measure of God's Holy Spirit? For the racism that continues to divide this country. Yes. For our elections. Yes, for our elections and our political process. For our worldwide gathering of the United Methodists and Portland. What other places do we want to lift up the presence of God's Spirit this morning? In Guatemala. Guatemala. Syria. Syria. Alberta, Canada, North Carolina, Burundi. Burundi. This this city where people are being evicted. What joys and thanksgivings do you want to lift up this morning? Celebrating with Jen, who graduated with her MSW yesterday. Yes. <laughs> and indeed, with all those who are graduating and entering new seasons of their lives for the next month. Other joys or thanksgivings? For the gifts of life we have every day. <laughs> I'm serious, that's like a gift to God. 
sometimes it's important for us to remember those everyday deep blessings, like an unexpectedly good water bottle. <laughs> Early in the season. Yeah, and everything. That is a, that is a miracle. Amazing watermelon in May. Before Aunt Mary passed away this week, um, she lived a good life. Yes. And we give thanks for the lives of all our saints in our lives, those living and those who passed on, who made us the people we are today. In the ministries of Pope Gateway and Pope Adams. Yes. Ministries of Pope Gateway and Pope Adams. The, the face of summer coming. Yes. I know uh, many of us, I'm sure, have the opportunity to enjoy that, uh, enjoy that glorious weather we've had over the last few days. So as we have all these prayers, those we've spoken and those we've left in the silence of our hearts, we take them and we gather them with us to this table where we're reminded of Jesus, who, while he was having a meal with his friends, his disciples, took bread, broke it, gave it to them, said, to take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, do this in memory. And so as we gather around this bread and this cup, will you be using the prayers we lifted together as a way to bless these elements on this Pentecost Sunday? So as I lift up our prayers and these elements at points, I will say, together we pray and we will all respond, come, Holy Spirit, come. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for the gift that is Pentecost, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which breaks down the walls we build up between each other. It is as easily present to us as these gifts of bread and cup which we gather around now. And so as we gather, we pray, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit to the lives of Marjorie, Matthew, Eric, Amy, Chris, Roxy, Beth, Domine, Will, Julie, Phyllis, Don Deven, Brian, and Mary Kate. Together we pray. On this Pentecost, we pray that you would send your spirit into the broken places in our world, into those places where people are struggling for justice against racism or those who are discriminated against based on their sexual or gender identity. We ask that you would send your spirit into general conference, into those situations where abused women and children look for safety and struggle, to those people who are struggling with housing and into our broken political process. Together we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, God, we pray that you would send your spirit into the broken places of the world, into Burundi and Guatemala, into Syria and Alberta, into Portland and Libya and Venezuela. Together we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, And God, we pray that you would send our spirit into our joy and multiply it, into our celebrations for graduations, especially for Jen and the people who are graduating from adult ed, for the gift of life 
for the gift of good food, for the life of all the saints who made us for who we are, for the ministry of this community and of Hope Acts, and for the gift of summer and the ways that your creation speaks to us. Together we pray. Come, Come Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Come into these elements of bread and cup, that they may be for us fire and light, passion and wisdom, strength and perseverance, the very body and blood of Jesus, so that we might be your body for this world. Together we pray. Come, come Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come, we pray, as we join together in the prayer that your Son, that Jesus taught us, in whatever language is closest to our heart. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the glory forever. Amen. At Hope Gateway, we believe that everyone is welcome at this meal who is hungry for it. We serve with bread and grape juice and rice crackers, so those who cannot have wheat or wine are welcome at this table. The moment you'll be invited to come forward and receive by intention, which means taking a piece of bread and taking a piece of the cup, and receiving a measure of God's grace and spirit in your life. I would also invite, if any of you have been moved by something you've experienced this morning, to come up front to help serve and serve this community as we go forth in the power of spirit into this world. table is set and all are
Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for this gift through which you offer yourself to us. Send us out in the power of your spirit to be your body to this hurting and broken world. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. It's a privilege to be able to offer some of the gifts that we've received from God back to God for God's work in the world. So we'll pass the baskets. Remember, we have these wooden nickels. If you give electronically, toss one of those in the basket as it comes around as a symbol of your offering. We also offer thanks for those who give with their time and their energy and their talents in ministry and mission during the week. Another way of saying thank you to God and worshiping God with your stewardship. As the basket's going around, we're going to share a few announcements. Now, first of all, if you're here for the first time today, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We'd love to have you fill out one of these yellow welcome cards before you go. You'll find these on the table in the lobby. And just leave it there on the table or pass it to Sarah or me or another friendly face. Um, we're really glad that you're here. We would love to be your church family. If you did not get an announcement sheet when you arrived, grab one on your way out from the table in the lobby. Uh, and here are a few highlights. Next Sunday, we're kicking off a new three-week worship series called Three Simple Rules. These are three rules that uh, the founder of the Methodist movement more than 250 years ago used to talk about. And I'm going to give you a little heads up. Here's the hint. Here are the three rules. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. And over the next three weeks, we're going to unpack those a little bit and explore, about, explore how those rules still have value for our living today. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. So I invite you to be with us next Sunday as we kick off that series and invite a friend to join you for worship. Confirmation. We're really excited that we're going to be joining this next fall with uh, Woodford's Congregational Church and St. Luke's, no, uh, St. Anskar Lutheran Church for a confirmation program, which is an opportunity for youth to explore questions of faith and to think about what it means to commit your life to following in the way of Jesus. It's going to be fun. It's going to involve retreats and trips and visits to other churches and even going to Boston for a performance of the Black Nativity at Christmas time. There are two information meetings coming up about confirmation next Sunday and then June 5th, both at 4 o'clock at Woodford's Congregational Church, and there will be pizza and sandwiches at both. And if you have any questions about the confirmation, please speak with me. Uh, this is for 7th grade and up uh, youth. And I'm really excited we'll be, we'll be starting that in October. Metuwana season is coming up. There are amazing camp opportunities for children and youth throughout the summer months at our camp in, in Winthrop, Maine, near Augusta. Uh, check out their website, metuwana.org, and talk to Sarah or me if you could use a scholarship to send someone that you care about for a week at camp. Some of the camps are filling up, so now is the time to register. Every summer we go at least once to a Sea Dogs game together, and the first date is coming up on June 1st. That's a Wednesday evening, 6 o'clock game. There's a clipboard in the back to sign up if you'd like to reserve tickets. They are $7 each, but we will make it possible for anyone to attend who would like to. So uh, even if you don't think you have the $7, if you'd like to go sign up anyway. And if you'd like to pay for someone else to be able to go, uh, we encourage you to do that. June 1st happens to be flannel night. So wear flannel if you have it. And there's going to be a guest performance by Timber Tina from the Great Maine Lumberjack Show. So we picked the right night for the Hope Gateway outing, right? 
Bet before the game. So you want to make sure you get there early if you want to see Kimberly. Okay, but wear your flannel anyway. Sign up on the clipboard.